This is the sister of Charles Harrington. She's in Lancaster General with breathing difficulty and kidney complications. And then let's remember uh, Bob Cleveland. Uh, he has a brain bleed after a fall. He also has cancer and they found out it has spread everywhere. And that's from Brenda Joseph. And then let's remember Addie and Alex Holer. That the, this whole family, these are teenage girls whose mother passed away a week ago. And that's from Tom Clue. And then let's also remember the Cusick family. These are friends of Tom Clue. Their nine-year-old son, Finn, was diagnosed with a brain tumor and they need a miracle for healing. And that again is from Tom Clue. So let's be praying for these families and these prayer requests. We'll make sure that we add them to the prayer list as well. Uh, so they'll be there for that. But do keep remember this. All right, so let's remember John Ballou as it looks like he's going to have to have surgery on his ankle that he broke this morning. So please be praying for him and lifting him up. All right, Brother Roger Miller, would you stand where you are? Open us up in a word of prayer this evening. Take a look at this bulletin 
And I mean, there is a bunch of announcements on there because it's Christmas time and there's a whole bunch going on. So make sure that you get a bulletin, that you get all of this information. Uh, this week we'll have quite a few things going on. Again, youth group at Tuesday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Christmas play practice next week. Don't forget about that. So Wednesday night will be a cantata practice. Tuesday night's also the men's 33 series, so get that. So just a lot going on. Make sure you get a bulletin uh, and have all of the information. All right, at this time, we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. Brother Ronnie, would you ask the blessing on the Everybody stand. last verse come on up it tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe who any sorrow bears a part that none can bear below oh how I love Jesus their trust in the wisdom of another. Some search for light in the dark. But like a child, I have come for simple faith in the only one who can change my heart. 
I drove by the place today where the Holy Ghost in his own way showed me in my heart that I was lost. I remember how it felt that night, wondering if I died, where my soul would be and what would be the cost. I got down on my knees and there I prayed. Thankful heart, I just want to say Thank you for saving me I want to thank you for healing me Eternal life that I could only find Through the blood that you shed on Calvary I want to thank you for all Been many years ago, this one thing that I know in my heart it feels like yesterday. It's a feeling that I can't explain. If you've been there, I know you feel the same. So lift your voice up to the one who's worthy of all praise. Thank you for saving me. Eternal life that I could only find Through the blood that you shed on Calvary
Lord on a Sunday night. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. We're going to look at the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15, to start with. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15. 
And then we're also going to look at the book of the Revelation, chapter number 21. We're just going to read a couple of verses in these two places. And then we'll bring the message that the Lord has laid on our heart. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, believe it or not, I do want to preach on a Christmas theme tonight. And believe it or not, we're going to go to the book of Isaiah uh, before we're done here because I'm still pretty much staying in Isaiah even though it's Christmas because uh, I did this a number of years ago I can't remember how long ago it's been now but it's been a long time uh, because I was doing almost all of the preaching then on during the month of December and uh, I remember preaching on uh, Christmas with Isaiah and we took every single uh, uh, every single text for the Christmas season, we took it from Isaiah. Now, we did go to some other places as well from there, uh, and tonight we're going to do it in reverse. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture, and then we're going to go back uh, to the book of Isaiah. But I hope it'll be a blessing, and guess what? I know how long you've been here, <laughs> okay? I am fully aware uh, of the length of your day for many of you, and uh, so I will absolutely keep that in mind while I preach this hour and 20 minute sermon. Uh, so if you would stand with us, please, in honor of the reading of the word of God, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 15:54 and Revelation 21, 4, just those two verses. So the first one we read is in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and the 54th verse says this. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then we'll flip over to the book of Revelation chapter number 21, and we'll read just verse 4 and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away now I have to tell you that every time I read 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 54 I think about Alan Greer who's in glory tonight and uh, the tremendous song that he wrote about death where is your sting and how that the stinger was took out. I'm telling you, uh, for a country boy songwriter, he sure could pack the theology into his songs. And uh, I miss Alan every day. I'm sure many of you do as well. Uh, but I, it just came to mind this Christmas season. Uh, and uh, as I was thinking about him, I thought about this particular verse of Scripture. And I guess that's why it's in here tonight is just thinking a little bit about Alan and, and uh, all the things uh, that the Lord had done in and through his life. Let's ask God's blessing on the preaching, and then we'll bring the message God's laid on our heart. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look in the Word tonight. And Lord, I do know that we have a tired group tonight. And so, Lord, we pray that in a short period of time, we might be able to give something that's actually meaningful. meaningful. So, Lord, I'm asking for your grace and your help that I might say those things that, uh, that would encourage us and strengthen us uh, as we draw to a close on this first Sunday in December. We pray it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. And you may be seated. Just put it on the floor there, uh, and when I need it, I'll find it. Okay, all right. So you might not realize this, but on June the 17th, uh, back in 1917, June the 17th in 1917, there was a little boy born to Italian immigrants, Alfonso and Angela Corsetti, born to these Italian uh, immigrants. And uh, let me just say this. So everybody my age would know this person. He lived 78 years and was at one time one of the most popular singer comedians in the United States. Now, if you're listening to traditional country uh, Christmas music, uh, that must have been a slip of the tongue, don't you think? <laughs> I know no one here would listen to traditional country music. Nobody would want to. You just wouldn't want to put on Lefty Frizzell. 
You don't even know who Lefty Frizzell is anyway. <laughs> Brother Jim probably knows who Lefty Frizzell is. But anyway, uh, in, anyway, it, it, during, during, uh, during this week, if you've been listening to traditional Christmas music, you've probably heard this guy maybe several times. Uh, and then in 1946, he teamed up with a fellow by the name of Jerry Lewis. Do you know who I'm talking about now? Uh, and they became the Martin and Lewis comedic team, and he was the singer, and Jerry was the comedian. Uh, and for t a decade, they were the most popular uh, comedic team in the entire country, uh, maybe even the world, I don't know, but they were very famous for a long time. And what you might not know about Dean Martin is even though he sang every... Uh, uh, what is it, Everybody Loves Somebody Sometimes, and, and he has sung scores of Christmas songs there. He had several albums just dedicated to Christmas music, and that's why you'd probably hear him on the radio from time to time this week, uh, along with Frank Sinatra and Rosemary Clooney and all those other uh, crooners who are singing us our Christmas songs. And you can say, oh, you're not supposed to mention that in the pulpit. Well, you're listening to it, so I might as well mention it. Amen. I know you are. Everybody has heard, uh, you know, uh, the most wonderful time of the year uh, and uh, Sleigh Bells Ring. Are you listening? We've heard every one of these songs over and over and over again, and Dean Martin sung a lot of them. But what you might not know about Dean Martin is that in 1995, Dean Martin died on Christmas Day. He died on Christmas Day. You see, the truth is that even on Christmas Day, there's death and tears. I know his daughter wept uh, at uh, his death. Uh, I still hear her on the radio every once in a while, and, uh, and uh, she, she talks about her father uh, and some of the songs that he sang, even some of the Christmas songs, and uh, you might hear her voice on the radio too, talking about her dad and the Christmases and all of that. Uh, and so I know she wept, and I know that uh, he passed away on Christmas Day, and that's really what I want to preach about a little bit today, is, or this evening, just for a few moments, is death and tears at Christmas time. And you say, oh, I mean, we're already dog tired and now what a downer. But no, it's not what you think. It really isn't. Death and tears is not what you think. Notice what he said, Paul did, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the book of 1 Corinthians 15, 54, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to ta uh, pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. And then uh, the apostle John, the book of the Revelation says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I don't know if you're aware of this, but both of these uh, uh, quotations, the one from 1 Corinthians and the one from uh, the book of the Revelation, both of them are from the same verse in the book of Isaiah. So take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter number 25. We're just going to look at this one verse in Isaiah chapter number 25 and we'll, we'll be done. So John, going to take but a few minutes and we'll take a quick look at it. Isaiah chapter 25 and verse number 8. Now notice what the prophet said hundreds of years before, uh, before uh, Paul uh, ever even met Christ on the Damascus Road, let alone wrote uh, his book to the Corinthian church. Uh, and long, long before uh, John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos and wrote for us the book of the Revelation, uh, notice what Isaiah said. He said, he will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth for the Lord hath spoken it. Now, we, when we, last Sunday morning when I preached, uh, we looked at Isaiah 24, 3. The land shall uh, be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled. And what did it say? For the Lord hath spoken this word. I love the way Isaiah says this 
over and over and over again in his book. Isaiah does not say this is what I think. He doesn't say this is what I have surmised. This is not, he doesn't say this is what I have drawn the conclusion to be. I love it when Isaiah says the Lord has spoken it. If God said it, you can count on it. Like my father used to say when he would preach, uh, he would say if it's in the word of God, you can take it to the bank. I'm telling you, when he says it, it's true. And 400 years before these others were writing their words in Corinthians, and, uh, and for John it was nearly 500 years by the time he finally got around uh, to writing the last book of the Bible, uh, and it had been nearly 500 years, and uh, somehow, some way, by the glory of God Almighty, he revealed it to Isaiah before it ever came to pass. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. I want to go backwards tonight, actually. Uh, I want to use my second point uh, first, and then I'll, so if I get confused, it's because I'm rearranging my notes as I preach. I want you to notice what he says. Uh, He says, he'll swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. Now, Let me tell you something. When Isaiah is saying this, he's not looking 400 years into the future. He's looking thousands of years, at least 2,400 years into the future if the Lord were to come back right now. He's looking that far into the future because what is he saying? When When does the Lord wipe away all tears? He wipes away all tears when all of the judgments have come to pass. We're ready to enter our eternal state. Then he's going to wipe every single tear away. Every one. I th- you know what I believe with all my soul? I believe the time, now, now you can think I'm crazy if you want to, but that's all right. Leave me alone. I love thinking this way. I love believing this way. I believe that all the joys of this life, when we get to heaven, they'll fade into insignificance. I do. I believe the joys of heaven, as Paul told us, are not to be compared with anything that's going on down here. I think the joys of heaven are so full and so rich and so wonderful, we will never pine a moment for the good times we had on this planet as it is now in its sin-cursed condition. We'll never pine away for what we once had once we reach heaven, our tears will all be wiped away. But I tell you what I also believe. I believe if you ever spent a night in prayer and wet your Bible with your tears, if you ever had a broken heart and you wept over a lost loved one or a wayward child wandering out into the world, if you ever spent agony pleading with God to move in a special way, I believe you'll remember those tears when you get to heaven. Oh, preacher, why? Well, the Bible says he has opened the bottles and poured out the tears. I believe you'll remember those tears. But I believe that every agony you endure down here will, be, will just add to the joy you have up there. Every learning experience, every broken time, every heartache, every prayer you prayed uh, that you just couldn't hardly get it out because you were choking on the tears when you finally got to the place, as Paul said, and you couldn't even utter it, and the Holy Ghost had to step in in your behalf and carry your prayer to the throne room of grace. I'm telling you, those broken times will be joy when we get to heaven. Because we'll see what God did with them. Amen. We'll see, we'll see that loved one that we wept over. And one day when we didn't expect it or maybe even when we already got to glory, they walked. I know some people, I know some people that walked down the aisle and got saved after mom and daddy died. I'm thinking of three or four right this minute that walked down the aisle after mom and daddy got uh, but died, but mom and daddy prayed for them their whole life. They never got to see them saved down here. Don't you know when they get to heaven and they see their their children that got saved after their death? Don't you think there's going to be some rejoicing and glory when they get over there? He'll wipe away those tears, 
and he'll replace it with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now the last point and we're done. Look at this. He says, he will swallow up death in victory. You see, Isaiah is seeing Jesus. He's seeing, he, he, he can see the Messiah coming, but he doesn't just see a Messiah coming, he sees what the Messiah does. That's what makes Isaiah unique in the Old Testament. I sure, sure enjoyed the preaching this morning, didn't you? I'm telling you, uh, Michael was really, really online, and he pointed out some wonderful things about that little book of Micah. It's so unique. It's so special. Uh, Just a jewel planted in the Word of God for us. And Isaiah has those jewels too, and we find them there. They're almost buried in there, but it's because Isaiah didn't just see that there was a Messiah coming. He could see what the Messiah would do. How did he do that? Well, it was the Holy Spirit, of course. And by the way, you have a benefit that Isaiah didn't have. Did you know that? The Bible clearly teaches us that the Old Testament prophets, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and reveal truth and show show them the words of God. But then the Holy Spirit would lead them because the Holy Spirit did not indwell the Old Testament praise God on the day of Pentecost our hearts opened up and the Holy Spirit moved into mankind and you and I have the indwelling power we have the Holy Ghost all the time every day every moment every hour now we're gonna uh, look at this real quickly how does he swallow up death in victory (laughs) well let me just say this Isaiah is prophesying that Jesus Christ is coming for this specific reason. And this specific reason is that he might destroy the last enemy of mankind. Did you know that's why Jesus came? Jesus came to destroy the last enemy of mankind. He did it too, by, by the way. He's, and the last enemy, Paul tells us, is death. So he's going to destroy this last enemy, which is death. How did he destroy it? Well, first of all, he destroyed it in the way that we love to celebrate come the spring of the year, and that is with his resurrection. Jesus died on the cross. I don't, I don't, I don't care what other, uh, you know, what other modern-day uh, uh, teachers and preachers might tell you. Jesus physically, literally, bodily died on the cross of Calvary. He, he died just as any other man would have died. He died just, he gave, he, the Bible says he gave up the ghost and he died, he was dead. And they wrapped him in the grave clothes and they laid him in a tomb and they, and they rolled the stone upon it and they sealed the tomb. He was dead in the tomb. He died as any other man. But he rose like no other man. He rose from the grave. Of his own, his own volition, of his own power, he rose from the grave. And here the Lord Jesus Christ comes out of the grave. And what has he done? He has had victory over death. He swallowed the power of death up and gave himself victory. And they couldn't kill him anymore because they had already killed him before. Amen? And let me tell you something else. When Jesus rose from the grave, let, let, me, let me rephrase it. Okay, because I, uh, I, I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying here. And I, I don't want to in any way uh, uh, speak lightly of this. So let me put it this way. I got a picture of my mom and dad in my office. I miss them both very much. One of these days I'll see mom and dad again. And, and when I see them, they won't, neither one of them will be sick. They both were very, very sick at the time of their deaths. And uh, mother suffered for about two years and dad suffered for about five or six months. And it, it was tough. It was difficult. But when I see them the next time, they're not going to be zombies. God's not going to resurrect a corpse out of the ground and say, this is the resurrected one. No, no. Jesus came out of the tomb in a glorified body. 
and a body that would never die and a body that would never get hungry and a body that would never get tired and a body that would never need rest or sleep and a body that was totally eternal and completely indestructible. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and with an eternal body to live forever. And guess what? When you and I raise from the grave or are translated in when the Lord comes back, however which way uh, we are taken home, we are going to be given a glorified body. We're not going to be zombies in the air. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be better than we've ever been. We're going to be, it's going to be the greatest, most miraculous, most glorious moment in all of human history is when God raises his children from the dead and meets them in the air. Most marvelous thing in the world. So he, he had victory over death. He swallowed up death in victory by the power of his resurrection. And then he swallowed up death in victory in that he destroyed death by taking away its sting. I got to just tell you, it's the truth. I've said this many times, and I know people might not believe me, but I guess it's been about 10 or 11 years ago now. I just came to the conclusion that, you know what? If I get to go in the translation when, you know, if, if, we get, if I get raptured out with the church, that'll be wonderful. But you know what? If I have to die and go by the way of the grave, I'm, I'm honest. It really don't make that much difference to me. You say, preacher, don't you want to be here at the, when the trumpet sounds? I'm going to be here when the trumpet sounds no matter what. Amen. As a matter of fact, Paul makes it clear, very clear, that you know what? If, if we're gone and we're in the grave when he comes back, but hey, the folks that are raptured out who are alive, they're not going ahead of the dead. The dead are going ahead of them. We're, we're going to be, the dead in Christ will be the first to rise. So it really don't make a whole lot of difference. You say, preacher, how can you say that? Don't you fear death? <laughs> Brother, I just don't. I don't. I don't fear death. I've had people say, what was it like when you went to the hospital with that heart attack and, and you only had 10 minutes to live if, if you hadn't have made it? Well, I'll tell you, it was, a, it was a little bit frightening for my wife, who I could see in the hallway, for my children who had arrived to find out how their dad was doing. I didn't want to see them broken. I didn't want to see them hurt. I don't want them to have to pay off all my bills. I don't want to leave that legacy with them, amen? No, 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 no. Was I afraid of me, for me? No, I wasn't. Somebody asked me, they, did you see light? Listen, I've been walking in the light since I was, since I was, uh, since I was, how old was I when I got saved? Uh, uh, I can't even remember now. 12 years old, yeah. I kept wanting to say 14. That's what age uh, a friend of mine is. When I was 12 years old, I got saved, and I've had the light ever since. He took away the sting of death. He really really did and that's why I love that song uh, the death wears thy sting I love it so much uh, that Alan wrote because I know exactly what he's talking about it won't be bad if I leave soon enough before the Lord comes back and I can find Alan and say Alan I know just what you meant I had to face death, but there was no sting in it. There was no fear in it. There was no power in it. Because let me tell you something, you can kill this body, but the Lord's going to bring it back, and the glorified body will be indestructible. Takes away, swallows it up in victory. And then there's one more thing, and then we're done. He destroys death, in the future. He's already destroyed death in the past by raising from the grave. He's destroyed death in the present by taking away its sting. But in the future, he's going to destroy death because one day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to remove it from humanity completely and eternally. Every human, 
Every man, woman, boy and girl born into the family of God, washed in the blood of Jesus, redeemed by his grace and his mercy, united with him in the great resurrection of the righteous. We're going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus and there'll be no more crying and no more sorrow. And what else does he say in the book of the Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 4? And no more death. It's gone. It's gone forever. Forever. Ever. <laughs> he swallowed up death. You know what? It's really interesting too because the Hebrew word that he uses for victory is different than the Greek uh, uh, word that Paul uses in the New Testament. The Hebrew word that he uses when he says in verse number 8 of the book of Isaiah chapter number 25, he says he will swallow up death in victory. That word means victory that never ends. What he is saying is he has swallowed up death forever. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Forever. He swallowed up death forever. Never coming back. Never going to plague us again. Never bother us anymore. So yes, at Christmas time, there's death and tears. But because of Christmas time, one day there'll be no more tears and there'll be no more death. Why? Because Jesus came to town. Because Jesus came to Bethlehem. Because Jesus walked the shores of Galilee. Because Jesus traversed the Via Della Rosa. Because Jesus was nailed to the cross. Because Jesus was buried in the tomb. Because Jesus rose the third day. And because Jesus is coming back for his own. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to bring the message this evening. We pray you'd touch our hearts with its undying truth and never-ending reality. Lord, let us see you fuller than we've seen you before. Lord, let Paul and, and John and Isaiah, Lord, even from the realms of glory, Lord, through the words of Scripture, let, a, let them speak to our hearts tonight. Let us draw let, let these words draw us closer to Thee. Lord, may it cause us to have a more meaningful Christmas. Then, Lord, remind us that there's no sting in death for the believer, for the born again, for the Christian walking the highway to heaven, but to our lost friends and loved ones, those who have yet to know the Savior, those who have wandered in the darkness of sin far too long, the sting of death is still there for them because they not only have to endure the physical death and the pain and the suffering that comes in this life, but Lord, they'll have to endure the second death that will never end. Lord, help us to pray for those that will be here during the Christmas programs. Lord, help us call names in prayer this coming weeks that we, we, we might bring them to the throne of grace as we pray for them that the Holy Spirit might convict them and convince them of their need of a Savior. Speak to us, we pray. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise for we ask it in Jesus' name and for His grace. Amen. Let's stand together. If the Lord's dealing with you. How deep the Father's love for us how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold.
Oh. 